What's up, advocates? And welcome back to another episode of the Claims Game Podcast. Today we're excited. Well, first, we are sponsored by Fortez Health. Fortez Health is a fantastic way that you can get all of the necessary things that you need to protect yourself throughout this whole COVID crisis. They got masks, they got gloves, different kinds of masks, all kinds of really good stuff. And better yet, you get 20% off if you put code VINCE20 when you purchase on FortezHealth.com. Vince 20 and you get 20% off. How about that, people? I mean, come on. It's not better than that. Today, today I am very, very, very excited to announce that we have a very special guest, a lawyer, an insurance claims lawyer, and a really good one at that. Not just a good lawyer, but also an amazing marketer when it comes to social media. Her name is Brittany Alexander. She goes by lawyer.brit on Instagram. She's got tens of thousands of followers. So not only do we talk about claims and dealing with the insurance companies, making sure you put your documentation together, present the claim the way you're supposed to so that she as a lawyer, as an attorney, could knock it out of the park, but she's got some really great advice when it comes to social media, how she was able to grow to such tens of thousands of followers, how she has a completely virtual office, not just, there's no physical office. That's a thing of the past, people. She's got a completely virtual office where she works from home. And all her assistants work from their home. And where is their home? The Philippines and other places throughout the world. This is what we need to get to, people. This is the way I run my business. This is the way she runs her business. And this is the way most people should. For those of you that thought the technology was going to lose jobs, we're going to kill jobs. Well, guess what? With virtual assistants, it's created tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of jobs. So... I want you guys to uh, to listen up. It's a really, really great interview. I'm very excited. Like I said, she's got a tremendous social media uh, presence. So if you're a lawyer and you want to figure out, watch this podcast or listen to this podcast because she's going to give some really good tips and tricks on how to do that. And if you're a public adjuster thinking about it, obviously you could ask me how I've been able to do it. But again, she's got some really great ways of doing it. And um, I really hope that you enjoy it. So make sure that you follow uh, lawyer.brit, uh, Brittany. She is, like I said, a great follow. She comes out with some really great information. And also she's got some really good stuff coming out for public adjusters on her website as well or on YouTube. So keep an eye out for that. So make sure that you get her on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and make sure that you visit her website as well. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Brittany Alexander. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. I see you moving a little bit. Huh? Bad, right? <laughs> Not bad. Is that, let's see you can get on, uh, on Fiverr for like 50 bucks. That's great. I like that a lot. <laughs> Brittany, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. You have no idea. You, uh, I, I look up to you, Brittany. Seriously. Thanks, Vince. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. I mean, you've got you've got such a great social media presence, and you've got such great content that you come out with all the time. You've got a really, really nice following as well. And best of all, correct me if I'm wrong, but I just literally preparing for this interview, I went onto your Instagram page, and you put on about a minute and a half, two minute video about a new endeavor and a new and a new I guess life-changing uh, event that you have can you uh, explain that for us yeah so on October 1st 2020 I opened my own law firm called premier property law so I am now a 
solo practitioner. I'm taking on cases representing homeowners against their insurance companies. I'll check this out. Look, I got this thing. <laughs> yes, I love that. So I deserve. <laughs> right, exactly. You got to get a round of applause. So. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. So, uh, doing a little research on you, like I said, uh, I you started like around 2014, right? So 2016 is when I became a lawyer or when I graduated law school, became a lawyer 2017. So I've been doing property insurance for three and a half years now. Nice. So yeah. what I would, my first question to you, uh, before we get into the claims is what was the road to entrepreneurship like? Because you started in 2016 and in just four years, you've been able to start your own firm, which is quite impressive. Yeah. What was that road like? So it was a lot of buildup. There's a lot of buildup. I always knew I wanted to have my own law firm and it was just a matter of learning the law first. You know, it's hard to go out on your own when you're not really sure about the, you know, the actual product, the actual service you're doing. Right. But I learned my craft. I said, you know what, I'm going to take the jump. No better day than right now. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, um, what are, what are some of the things now that you're preparing as what, what's, I guess, well, no, what's some of the differences that you think are go you're going to encounter or you're already encountering just in this first week from having your own law firm to working for someone else? I mean, definitely just putting my own systems, my own procedures into place. You know, that is just huge, you know, doing everything the way I want to do it, the way I think is best because everybody thinks their way is best, you know, but you have to find something that works with how you want to run your business, you know, you we talked a little bit earlier about virtual assistants, you know, having the virtual assistants be able to do things that they're really good at and having them do things that you don't need to do. You know, that's that was going to be huge for me because there are a lot of things that, especially in a traditional law firm, there are a lot of things that the attorney does they don't really have to do. You know, the attorney should focus on substantive legal things, making arguments, settling cases. And, you know, the, the other things should be for other people to do so you can stay in your zone of genius. You know what I mean? I completely agree with you. I mean, that's yeah. why I have my I have my virtual assistant who does all my follow ups with the claims. And I mean, it just it, it just took it was so many years. I mean, 10 years I was doing it basically on my own. And just every week or every two weeks, oh, I got to follow up with this claim, got to follow up with this claim. And it really wasn't much. I mean, we're going to get into it. But, uh, you know, the reason why I follow up is just really to prepare that case for you guys to make sure that we've got all the documentation uh, just all through email, all that we could, to, if, if they do act up, if they do screw up, we have everything there, right. but it would be so time consuming. And with having a virtual assistant with the calendar and everything, or they could just do the follow-up and I've got all the templates already set up on what the emails are supposed to look like. It makes life so much easier because now I could spend more time networking, signing the claims, mm -hmm. going to the inspections and doing really the stuff that I really enjoy doing and negotiating as well. Yeah. Negotiating is huge. I enjoy yeah. doing that too. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Um, so um, I guess, so tell me about the, uh, well, you know, I was going to also say you were talking about doing things your own way. When I first, I used to have a tennis academy years ago. And I remember when I opened up my own tennis academy, the one thing that I used to hate about teaching tennis was Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. But it's just a stupid example. But when I had my own tennis academy, Saturday morning classes did not start until 11 o'clock. And that's such a simple thing, you know, you wouldn't think it would be such a big deal, but it just, it makes a huge difference, you know, it makes a huge difference. Right. So what are some of the things that you're, uh, that you're like making your own, that you're doing yourself or besides the virtual assistant, I guess. Right. I mean, it goes kind of along those lines, right? It's kind of along the lines of, uh, you know, starting when you want to start. Cause you know, I, I I'm not fully awake until like 10 AM. So oh, I can start at 10 AM, but then, you know, I can, I, I, I take client calls, you know, all the way until, Seven, eight, nine o'clock, you know, like I'm, I'm available, 
you know what I mean? And things like that, you know, so, and giving my personal cell phone number out, that was going to be huge for me too. Cause I want people to feel like they can call me directly, you know, connect, you know, direct open communication is huge. Like I said in that video. So, you know, having people just call me through there and not going through a receptionist or, you know, something like that, that, that was big for me as well. Number one rule for my guys, the PAs or anybody else is answer your phone. That's like number answer one. Answer your rule. phone. Number one. You could you just get so much work done. You could meet so many different people. You don't miss referrals. I mean, it's just it, it's it's just a way to do it. Teamwork is great too when other people call right. you. What about I've always wanted to know, because I'm not really sure. As a lawyer, are you required to have a physical office or can you work virtually? No, you're not required to have a physical office. I mean, with all the co-working spaces, you know, if I needed to meet with a client, you know, you just have an office space for a few hours or, meet, you know, have a designated space to meet them. But, and especially with COVID and law practice going very, very much online. I mean, I, I haven't been in a courthouse in, you know, seven months, you know, however long we've been doing this, right? So there's no real need for a space, you know, we can get everything done on the phone via Zoom, you know, email. So no, you don't need one. The silver lining with COVID, you know, as terrible as it's been, has been the whole virtual thing. How like, it's just been so, I mean, everything has gone virtual. We don't, and I've been, I've been trying to do this for, for, uh, for years now to just go completely virtual. You know, thank God I was a little bit ahead of the game, but I mean, it's nice that, and I was sort of fast forward that process for a lot more people going virtual and it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, you don't have to go to court. That's pretty yeah. nice. It's nice because, you know, there's, a, there's always court in the morning and it's like they schedule 50 different cases to happen but to, you know it's just like five minute like boom 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 knock it out right. but you used to have to get up early get all dressed up drive to the courthouse find somewhere to park get to the courtroom you needed to go to sometimes there's multiple and you're running back and forth between each and now it's you know i'm answering client emails and, and drafting pleadings and i'm just sitting there waiting for my case to be called on zoom it's so much more efficient and i think that this has really forced the courts to do that like i don't think we would have had this scenario for a lot longer if COVID hadn't happened. So it kind of just pushed the courts to go online. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so why insurance claims defense? How did you get into that? Well, so not defense, but I, I did do defense. So long story short, I got a job out of law school at a, a bigger law firm. And it was kind of just, you know, they did everything, but they did a lot of insurance defense. So I actually started doing like residential, um, you know, disputes. I started doing commercial, um, commercial litigation and some insurance defense kind of spilled out over onto my desk. And before I knew it, you know, the majority of my claims were insurance defense. And while I did learn a lot, a lot, a lot on that side, it just wasn't fulfilling. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to make the jump and I'm going to go work for the property owners instead. And how'd you like yeah. that? Way better. Oh, it's so much better. So much better. <laughs> Yes. I, I, you get the relationship with the homeowner. It's just, I, I, I really like it. I, I love my clients. They're all great. And it's, I just, it's hard to defend the man. You know what I mean? The all great, yeah. all powerful giant. Yeah. One of my best friends is actually a defense attorney. Really? Uh, yeah. For the insurance company. And we were talking the other day. I'm just uh, she's like, Oh, I just got out of a depot. I'm like, Oh, I love those. And she's like, yeah, I love them too. <laughs> 
don't understand. You guys are just idiots. Some of you guys are just idiots. You don't know what you're doing. I said, look, my cases are good. I said, so I'm, I, I make you guys look like an idiot in the depot because you're <laughs> trying to call me out on this. You're calling me out on that. And you're asking me why I'm detaching. I'm removing and replacing a baseboard instead of detaching and resetting. And my response to that is you're sitting in this office. You haven't even been to this client's house. How do you know whether, and you're not, you have zero construction experience. How do you know whether the baseboard needs to be removed or replaced or detached and reset? And I said, besides that's peanuts compared to what we're talking to. If, you want, us, if you want us to give you the, the, the baseboards, we will, are you going to settle the case or what? You know? So. I don't yeah. Know. Just this is the little nitpicking things, you know, it's yeah. I'm sure you're, I, mean, I know that your clan files are ready and good to go. So you probably take great depositions. <laughs> I love, I love depositions. I'll never forget when I first started, I, you know, they, they make anybody nervous. And in the course that we give, you know, we talk to, to the new PAs and let them know, you know, it could be, it could be a strenuous, strenuous little process, but I always laugh because a lot of people tell me that they're in there for hours. My depots are never, never more than an hour. And it's just straight cut to the point. Yeah. I think that if a, and this is just my personal opinion, but I think if a lawyer takes a deposition that's longer than like, I mean, two hours max, then they're at that point, they don't even know what they're doing. Cause you can go in and get the information you need in like an hour, an hour and a half, you know, unless somebody's being difficult, then it takes a little bit longer, but you know, I mean, you don't need to ask everything. You know what I mean? Ask the important things. You know what's important. You know what actually matters. Just get in there and ask it. Yeah, but you know, they're just trying to give us a hard time. That's pretty. Yeah, good. well, they're trying to bill hours is what they're trying to do. Ah, yeah, that's, that's what they're trying to do. Out. Yeah, that's they're trying to bill hours. So because defense works on an hourly, they have to bill eight hours a day, right? And that only includes what's like billable. So they want to sit there for three hours so they can just okay, three hours done so far. I'd only have five to go. But yeah, that's why they do that. I've heard from other people that sometimes the depositions are literally only done just to, they're only scheduled just to extend the case and bill more hours. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely true. You're, I mean, you're within your legal rights to depose anybody you want, but at some point it's like, you know, does the guy who, you know, came in to give just one quote on the roof really know anything? No. Why are you, why are you taking his deposition? You know what I mean? It's yes. Yeah. Short answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. The, I work with different experts as well. And I tell the experts, you know, if I need them for anything, uh, roof leak repair, uh, report, plumbing repair, whatever it is. And I, and I let them know, like, look, I need you to come in here, test these floors. You know, I have a flooring expert who's a really great guy here. Test these floors. Let me know what you think. And, you know, I tell them, I'm just like, look, there's, there's always a chance that if this case does end up in litigation, that you will have to be deposed. And everyone that I've gotten, I always get a call back from the lawyer saying, dude, that guy was awesome. <laughs> he made, he made the attorney look like an idiot because what I tell, <laughs> what I tell the experts and what I tell other public adjusters, you know, make sure that you have an expert that knows what he's doing, because if he goes into a deposition, he gets drilled by a lawyer. If the guy's an expert knows what he's doing he could really make that lawyer look like a moron in a deposition oh, yeah. because they're the plumbing expert. They're yeah. the flooring expert, not yeah. the lawyer and not me. I'm a public adjuster. I know how to read policies and I know how to negotiate and do all what I have to do. You know how to do what you have to do. And the plumber knows how to do what they have to do. Exactly. We're all in our zone of genius. You know, you don't need to know, you know, you don't need to know about law to do the deposition. You know what I mean? You just need to know about what you know about. Exactly. Exactly. So did you always want to do this insurance uh, insurance work? Like when you first got into law school or did you want to do anything else? Oh, or? No, I thought I was going to be doing corporate law. So my dad's a corporate lawyer and I was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to do M&As and I'm going to draft contracts and help franchises and all this stuff. Like I thought I was going to be in like the business world, 
always I've always been in a business, obviously, not a business owner, but like I've always really been into that. But it turns out that to be a corporate attorney, you have to be like an old man. And I wasn't quite there yet. So <laughs> so my dad suggested, oh, why don't you get a job doing like commercial lit litigation? You know, get your foot in the door there. So that's how I ended up at that big firm and then ended up getting, you know, insurance defense kind of spilled over onto my desk. So no, it did not. I, I didn't, it wasn't even in the insurance world. It just kind of came to me. And then I said, oh, okay, I kind of like this. I'll work for the homeowner. Is there like a, is there like an awakening moment or any kind of moment where you realize this is it? This is what I want to do? Yes, actually last year because uh, i had a case where it was just like the sweetest lady and she just had so much damage and it was it, that case was just there were so many things wrong with it and we ended up getting her 50 grand and she was just overjoyed like overjoyed and she sent she still sends me little messages like hope you're dealing well honey and i just that made it for me i was just like this is it this makes me feel amazing i'm, I'm gonna do this i'm gonna keep doing this forever yeah, that's, that's, that's such a great feeling, right? It yeah. just makes the job so much better when you just, you get them, they get taken advantage of, you know, I, I mean, I, I walk into claims all the time where they're underpaid a deductible. I mean, one of my biggest claims uh, in Miami was after Irma Association. I mean, all these people were experiencing leaks. Almost every single one of these units, I'm talking like 70 units, 13 buildings, they're all experiencing wow. leaks. Insurance adjuster went out there after the storm and wrote nothing like it was they cover but they extended coverage they extended coverage and it was, under, it was under deductible so we took it from there and they went from under deductible to 1.5 million dollars of course they did See, like, can't even tell on? you how many cases i've had like that i even had a case i, I have to tell you about this so mm -hmm. i had a case where the insurance company i won't name names because you never know but so the insurance company sent a letter to my client said, hey, you have damage from Irma, we're gonna pay you six grand. Sent a letter, you know, look for the check. But two days later, they called and said, hey, our engineer is gonna come out and inspect. And so the homeowners, this is before I was even involved. Homeowners are like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Engineer comes out, writes their report, says actually it's all wear and tear and foot traffic, you know, not covered. And so then they, the insurance company is like, okay, well, the, the, it's not covered, we're not sending you that check. What? Like, wh I when I heard that, I was like, are you serious? And then I took the deposition of the corporate rep and they're like, oh, yeah, we sent we sent that letter out, but we're not going to pay anything. And I was like, that's bad faith, buddy, but OK. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. <laughs> did, you, did you order? Did you get your own engineer out there or anything? Or? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. That, that case, a case actually went to arbitration a couple weeks ago. So still waiting on the result on that. But um yeah, it's ridiculous. I know. And it, it pains me to think that there might be other people out there who got that letter and then, you know, got a letter that said, oh, your claim's denied. And then they don't know they can fight it or they don't know that that's wrong. Like the insurance company's not allowed to screw up, especially not well, like that, you know, so. so they send their they sent their payment letter. Is that what you're saying? That like the letter they sent you a payment letter says, dollars. look out for the check. It's coming in the mail. And then a couple of days later, they didn't send they didn't send the check at all. They sent out their engineer. Engineer said, "Oh, actually, it's not covered." And then they sent a denial letter. So they sent a payment letter, said, "Look out for the check." And then they sent a denial letter and said, "Oops, sorry, we're not actually sending the check." Yeah, as bad as that sucks, and that's totally bad faith on their end. I'm sure you yeah. look. I'm sure, yeah, but that's got to make you smile too. It's like, oh, we got him. We got him. Yeah.
yeah when i found that i was just like this is it this is that's one of those cases where you're like this is the smoking gun (laughs) yeah that's it it. um what was i gonna man i had i had a question lined up uh oh no i forgot um let's talk about claims i mean let's talk about let's talk about some good stuff um so in regards to i don't know like preparation you were talking about that and you were talking about how important that is. And I know we talked about it before we got on here about, you know, that's one thing that I personally, I pride myself on. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit it. That was taught to me by an attorney because, you know, he was getting some of my claims and I wanted to make sure that, you know, they were set up correctly. And he would tell me, he'd be like, I would call him thankfully, which is, I think another thing I would tell you is, which is great is, is, is make sure Whenever I, I bring an attorney on onto my list, you know, I always and, and we sit down for lunch or anything, I always tell them, just answer my phone. Like that's it. Just that's when hard. I call, answer my phone. And he was really, really good at that. And he would help me throughout the entire claims process. And then long story short, fast forward 10 years, you know, I've got a whole step-by-step system on weekly follow-ups. I have an email and a letter for the first follow-up, email letter for the second follow-up, email letter for the third follow-up, 14-day no response letter, 90-day no no coverage determined uh coverage determination letter, all kinds of stuff. That's what I do. What are some of the things that you would say that should be done uh, by all public adjusters to make sure that the case is sort of wrapped up and set up the way it's supposed to so that when you do get it, because there's too many, sorry if I'm rambling. <laughs> I tend okay, to I'm taking it in. <laughs> there's, too many, I, there's too many public adjusters out there that because you guys do such a good job, most of you, not all of you, but most of you, that a lot of public adjusters think signed LOR estimate and that's all I need in my file. Uh, yeah. If it gets denied, it's okay. The, the, the attorney will take care of it. And that's how I used to think when I first started. So again, back to the first question, what are some of the things that you think are vital to make sure that when you do get that case, that you've got a strong case? Right. So I think having all your communications with the insurance company in the file is very helpful because you know, I need to know when you reported the claim exactly. It, did the insurance company even really acknowledge it? Did they send people out there? Did they, you know, keep you up to date with their claims process? Has it been over 90 days? If so, you know, it, you know we need to go forward with the lawsuit. If it hasn't, and, you know, they, the insurance company says, oh, it's under deductible or we're only paying this much, you know, did you dispute it prior to sending it to me? Like, I need to know if that happened so we can, you know, I need to know if we can file the suit now or if we have to wait and dispute the amount, you know, things like that. And I also think it's really important. So. I've got, you know, we kind of talked about this before. I've got a video series coming out tomorrow for public adjusters. And one of the things in there is taking notes during the uh, field adjusters inspection. So I have, and most public adjusters don't do this, you know, they're physically at the inspection. So they think, oh yeah, yeah, this, this, and this, you know, they go through their estimate and stuff like that. But I think it's really important to know about what the field adjuster did, because eventually if it goes to suit, I take the field adjuster's deposition. You know, I ask him or her a bunch of questions about the inspection. And a lot of the times they don't really have any notes or, or if they do, the insurance company is claiming it as privilege so they can't look at it anyway. And, you know, it's been so long. I'm saying, you know, I'll say, oh, how long were you at the inspection? And they'll just say, oh, I, you know, I don't know, maybe an hour. You know, what if it was 30 minutes? Like, that's not really an adequate time to walk through everything. Or even better, I've had many adjusters who, you know, just went into the attic, popped up in the attic, took a couple pictures and then you know left and then said oh well the damage is long term well how do you know that if you were only in the attic for 10 seconds you didn't look at anything 
you know, did you see decay? Was anything discolored? They have no idea. So in the instances where I've had those kind of notes of like, where they inspected, where they didn't inspect, how long they inspected, did they just pop their head in the attic? Did they just get on a on the ladder and take a couple of photos of the roof? You know, things like that. I can just nail them. I nail them and say, okay, so really you don't know what you're talking about. Like really you have no idea. And so then I can kind of use that to exclude part of the field adjuster's testimony should we ever go to trial so that they can't testify as to what was in the attic because they really didn't look at the attic. And then there's kind of a gaping hole in their case, you know, because they don't have any knowledge of what the attic really looked like around that time, around the date of loss. So you kind of say, hey, you've got like this kind of gaping hole. So you can't say the damage was long term because you didn't actually see anything in the attic. You kind of get where I'm going with this. It's all about kind of the evidence. Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. that's 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 awesome because yeah. one thing a disadvantage that we have here in Florida is that we can't we can't record we can't record someone else without their knowledge and permission. Right. So the adjusters that I know in Texas, they do it all the time. Yeah. Because it's totally yeah. allowed. So they yeah. go right into the inspection and they record every single inspection. They record every single phone call. So what I do is exactly what you're saying. And I try to tell other public adjusters to do it as well. Thankfully, I've got a virtual assistant. <laughs> and as soon as I have an inspection, I go on WhatsApp and I leave her a voice note of exactly everything That's that, that happened that inspection. And then she'll go in whenever she goes back in and she just transcribes the whole thing. Wow. That's an incredible idea. I'm going to start doing that. It's legal, right? Yeah, of course. It's your own notes. It's my own notes, right? That's yeah, what I thought. Of yeah. So, so I, I, I figure it's easier to leave a voice note because for me to type the whole thing on my phone and all that stuff, I just, so I just describe it and then she yeah. transcribes it however. And then we've got all the evidence for that inspection, especially that if, they say something, if they say something like, oh yeah, well, we'll pay for all this floor. Oh yeah. We're going to pay for the roof. Yeah. And then they don't. It's like, I've got these notes. <laughs> exactly yeah i just wish we could record them um what else what else are what are some of the other things um so keep a lookout for that thank you for saying that Brittany. uh yes. you've got the how long is that going to be that's going to be several days is it going to be just one episode that you're doing that to help public so, so it's multiple you'll receive them via email um i think it's about eight days long so you'll get one each day eight days long via mm -hmm. how long is each one um, so some of them don't have videos. Some of them do it, it. They're short. I mean, less than 10 minutes, you know, I don't, everybody's super busy. I like to just jam pack, you know, everything into one little easy to digest video, you know, watch on your own leisure. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. That, that's a really great idea that could help. That could help public adjusters with some, just some, with some free advice that you could really help them on. Yeah. Tell me about that free advice. I'm always, I'm always having public adjusters sort of, not always, but sometimes they're like, dude, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're telling all these, all these things, all these secrets and stuff like that. Or people who are outside of the industry, they're just like, you're providing all this content and stuff like that. But like, you're giving away secrets. I've learned, which I'm sure you're going to agree with that. If you are the person who's giving out the quote unquote secrets, then you're the person that they're, they're going to go to when they yeah. need answers. Yeah. Don't you agree? A hundred percent agree. You're going to be top of mind, you know. If you're giving, a, and I, I mean, secrets is kind of a loose term, right? I mean, yes. you know, it's, you can learn them if you really want to learn them. You can learn them. You know what I mean? But um, it's keeping top of mind. You know, you're giving all this information out, even if people don't remember exactly. And by the way, people usually don't remember what you tell them. You know, people watch a video and they forget about it a couple weeks later. But if you keep telling people if you keep giving people value, giving people information, you will stay top of mind. And then when they have a problem, they'll be like, oh, like, I think Vince said something about what I'm supposed to do in this situation. And then they call you. 
I was I was on a podcast. Yes, no, last week. It's it's out now for uh, Randolph Randolph Love. He's uh he's big on social. He's big in uh, Facebook and stuff like that. He's a public adjuster also, and now he's a he's actually a certified life coach. Really good guy. And uh, he was interviewing me, and he actually brought up something that was fascinating, which is basically what we do, which is how we do our customer acquisition, which is basically not necessarily we're not. I mean, and if you are, I mean, you know, I apologize, but we're not usually buying billboards. We're not putting ads in magazines. We're not, we're not, we're not, we don't have commercials on TV. We don't have commercials ads on the radio. What we're doing is just providing basically free advice on social media so that we could be the go-to person when it comes to all this. We're also not, we're also not, I'm not, promoting my company. I'm not promoting, hey, come and sign up with Keep Gain Claim Adjusters because we're going to settle your claim fast and we're going to do all this. It's more like, no, I'm going to try to be somewhat of importance to you as public adjusters, to you as as, as policyholders to make sure that if a loss does occur, that you know, eh, you know, you're going to want to get the advice from the guy or the for the girl who knows everything. Right. How valuable do you think that is? I think that is so, you're completely spot on. And I actually, when people reach out to me on Instagram, they're like, lawyers specifically, but even like realtors or, you know, public adjusters, like, how do I do what you're doing? And I'm like, don't be a billboard lawyer. That's literally what I tell them. Don't be a billboard lawyer because the days of being on TV and, you know, I mean, Morgan and Morgan, obviously is one of those people, you know, Morgan and Morgan for the people, the days of just being able to put your plaster, your face and your name all over, um, you know, billboards and, and TV commercials is gone. It's done. Like nobody's really calling Morgan and Morgan anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it giving people value and showing them, Hey, I know what I'm talking about and I can help you. I'm willing to help you and be here. I'm approachable and like accessible is so much more valuable than just saying, call me if you get in a car accident, call me if you have a, a roof leak, why, why should they call you? You're not giving them any reason. You know what I mean? Because like, I'm, I'm convinced I really, I mean, I've got the experience, I guess, but I, I'm no better public I'm no better at public adjusting than anybody else really is. Right. I mean, got some more experience, but that's pretty much it. Everybody it's it's all the same system. It all sort of goes the same way. Right. So, you know, I I think it's I think it's super valuable and you've been able to really done you've been re- what I, what I really what I really like about you is that you're I mean, I sent you a message and within minutes you responded to that message. Oh, and yeah. I thought it was great. It's not like you know, a lot of the social media people, especially like the influencers and stuff, they go on, they, they're going to see how many followers is that? How many followers does that person have? How much of a following does that person have? Da, da, da. Like you are able to be accessible. And as a lawyer, I think that is remarkable because the biggest, the biggest thing that people hate about lawyers is that they're extremely difficult to get a hold of. And yeah. if you're like that with me, I could almost guarantee that most or if not every message that you receive on Instagram, you respond to, right? Right. Hundred percent. I mean, you're you're for you're kind of your first impression. You know what I mean? If some if you're hard to get a hold of in the beginning, like what are you going to be like when you're handling someone's claim? You know, that's or someone's case. That's that's my feeling of it. You know, you want to show them that you're going to be there, available to answer their questions, to talk to them. It's important. And when in your three and a half, four years here, when you started, when did you start? When did you start really going hard on the uh, on social media and and just being that lawyer, that accessible lawyer that people could come to and get advice from? June of this year. Get out of here! That's June, a- and I will tell you this story. Okay, so been a, I've been a lawyer for over three years, right? And I, I don't remember where I was. I was somewhere, and I was with my, one of my friends, one of my best friends for a decade now, and her boyfriend, who I've known for years, was like, "Hey, like, what kind of what kind of law do you do again?" And I was like. It, 
if he doesn't know what kind of law I do, nobody knows, you know what I mean? People may know I'm a lawyer, but they don't know what to send to me. They don't, I'm not, they're not thinking of me when they hear somebody's claim or somebody's issue, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna start posting videos and put stuff, you know, like Gary V. I'm just like, I'm gonna put stuff out there and be tough my, yeah, I know you love Gary V. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it started for me because I got sick and tired of walking into 10K water damage limits. I got sick and tired of walking into water damage exclusions. And I'm like, people don't know, like either whatever, I don't want to talk about agents so much, but either they're not telling them or people just don't know how to read a policy. So that's how I started with it. And I just started doing one video after the other. And like you said, when you see a face and you can connect the face to the message, it could really go a long way. Yeah. And that's another reason too, is because there were so many people that were coming to me so many clients who like they had they had issues going on for months and they either didn't know or they like didn't know they could make a claim you know things like that and and it's like you said i think that people just don't know how to read their policy they think that and a lot of agents just send the deck pages you know and the deck pages is just like a little checklist of like this is what's covered this part. but like there's another 100 pages of the policy that actually tells you what is covered and when you know so i think it's really important to educate people first well they do that on purpose with the policy oh you know? yeah hundred percent. And it's also, I mean, reading a policy is a nightmare for anybody who's never read even a legal contract. I mean, it's just, you know, this is added, this is deleted, and it's just written in the most confusing way because it's written by lawyers. So, you know, obviously that's why it's confusing. They wrote it for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I mean, I, I try, I try to avoid it, but if I have to, you got to go through the policy and it's just like, yeah. it's no matter how many times I open that policy, I still have to flip through it a million times to find out yeah. what I'm really looking for. I know. And I've read yeah. a policy a million times, you know? Yeah. I can't even tell you how many times I get calls from public adjusters and they're like, I'm in someone's house. Can you just like really quick look at this policy? You know, just look through this. And I'm like, yeah. And so like, I'll flip through, but okay, this is covered. This is covered, you know? Oh, well, that's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love doing that. Yeah, because that's when I tell people to have a lawyer on their side, as far as a public adjuster is concerned, because there's just going to be times where that water damage little exclusion there is read or written a little bit differently than yeah. maybe the last one that you went to. So I mm -hmm. always tell people I have I have a couple lawyers on speed dial and, you know, I want to make sure that and I will tell you this, besides getting the answer that you hopefully can get when you call that lawyer, but you could also really make yourself, at least as a public adjuster, look real good when, look, I got my lawyer on speed dial. Yeah, I just call them up. Oh, hey, uh, what if I had this problem? What's you know going on here? That let me feel great. Mm -hmm. you know, this guy's knows what he's doing. So, are you practicing law in only the state of Florida? Yes, I'm okay. only, only licensed in Florida. And you are at located this time. at this time. And where are you located? <laughs> I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Gotcha. Yeah, and Fort Lauderdale. Are you from Fort Lauderdale or no? I'm from Orlando, but I've been living in Fort Lauderdale for since I became a lawyer, so over three years. And you went to FSU, right? I did. Go Knowles. Oh, I'm just surprised you didn't go to um, to UCF. I had a lot of friends that went to UCF. I didn't go to UCF for that point because I <laughs> literally grew up 10 minutes, 15 minutes from UCF. I said, no, so I got to go somewhere up. else. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. uh, I'm a Hurricanes fan. So. Oh, okay. Well, see you later. <laughs> so we have to end the podcast. <laughs> 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 no, but you went to Barry. I had a good friend of mine play tennis for Barry. So Barry is really cool. Is that you just went to Barry? You just never left, huh? You like just stayed in that area? So actually, their law school is in Orlando. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yes, I know. Water, Nobody, right? Yeah. So it, their campus is in Miami. But their law school, I don't know why. I have no idea why that is, but their law school is in Orlando. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So then you went to Fort Lauderdale, I'm assuming, because of work. Yeah, well, I always knew I wanted to move down here because it's 
you know, it's fun. It's, you know, there's lots to do, beautiful weather. You know, I just wanted somewhere different and this is where I ended up. And the majority of your claims, I guess all your claims are in that area or do you have claims all the way up to the Panhandle? Uh, to all the way up to Pensacola. I got some in Jacksonville, Orlando, you know, all over Florida. Have you gotten any in from, uh, from Sally yet? Actually one, uh, that I just signed yesterday. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Homeowners claim or commercial claim? Homeowners. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you specialize mainly in homeowners or pretty much anything? I, I've done a lot of commercial claims, but I just, I like doing homeowners. Yeah. I have a guy who's up in Pensacola right now and he's, uh, he's going door to door and he, uh, we do have a connection with the water mitigation company up there and they're, they're sending us some referrals, some leads as well. So he's right. already signed a few claims. So it's, uh, we're pretty excited about what's going to happen there. Yeah. I'm not sure if I want to go there quite yet. I don't know. It depends if I get a call or something like that. But thankfully, yeah, is he here? So yeah, I know but a lot of people going up there. He went door to door yesterday, and apparently somebody was not happy and like called the police on him because <laughs> oh. <he's> soliciting. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, then the police came and just like, dude, you gotta you gotta go. He's like, all right, sorry. And then he gave him a business card. <laughs> Never miss a networking opportunity. <laughs> when you tell me that, I'm just like, you're hired, dude. You're gonna be around for a while. You're you're out Great. there. Hustling. So, um, is there anything that in particular that you wanted to discuss in regards to claims? I know you mentioned the AOB directions to pay and stuff like that. Is that something that you want to sort of elaborate yeah. on? Yes. So let's dive into this a little bit because I feel like so. I don't know how familiar you are. You probably know the law changed last year with assignment of benefits, the AOBs, and. There, I've just seen a lot of confusion because I, I get my claims from, or my cases rather, from public adjusters, right? And sometimes there's a little bit of confusion about the water mitigation, mold mitigation, and who pays for that and whatnot. So originally, obviously before this law change, assignment of benefits was just every every company was using assignment of benefits. So, you know, if client needed, you know, dry out or any type of mold, anything, client would sign an assignment and then the... And, mitigation company could then stand in place of the homeowner and then go to uh you know go to the insurance company and say hey pay us directly if the insurance company didn't pay that mitigation company could then sue because they owned part of the of the policy benefits right now because of the law change you know there's different requirements things that you do there's a there's a cap on how much you can charge three percent or three thousand dollars or one percent of the uh, coverage a there's a bunch of issues with the attorney's fees provision if you do have to sue. So people have been straying away from from assignment of benefits and into directions to pay, which are a bit different. So direction to pay just is a contract between the homeowner and the mitigation company that just authorizes the, the insurance company to pay, to add the mitigation company to the check, basically. But they don't, the mitigation company doesn't get part of the policy. They can't stand in the place of the homeowner. They can't sue the insurance company. So there's a lot of differences, right? And so because of that, a lot of these mitigation companies are putting in the direction to pay that the insurance company doesn't pay, the homeowner has to pay. And so I'm seeing a lot of people get confused and, you know, public adjusters are so used to assignment of benefits for so long that they just say, oh yeah, yeah, sign with the mitigation company. They, they bill the carrier directly, you know, just go for it. You, you don't have to pay anything. But then things are changing and so they actually might have to pay something. So I've had a couple like sticky situations where the mitigation companies were then putting liens on the home because they didn't get paid directly and there wasn't anything, you know, there was nothing in there about, you know, we're waiting for the claim to get paid out. It was just like, you have to pay us within 30 days. So there's been, and I've, you know, I've settled those out of like, you know, calmed companies down. I'm like, okay, we're suing, don't worry, you're gonna be on the check, you know, 
trying to mitigate that. But I've had some clients who had liens put against their home, you know, which is not a fun thing. So I think it's important to know the difference of what the homeowner is getting into. So I've had a water mitigation company here who had a direction to pay, paid, uh, signed by the insured, but it was towards the insurance company though. Right. So direction to pay is something that it just authorizes the insurance company to pay the mitigation company Direct. direct, like, yeah, on the check. So if a check's issued for a water mitigation, normally, I mean, depends, like, depends on what the contract says, but it'll say homeowner, mortgage company, mitigation company. Yeah, I like it better because I had, we had, we had a troubled client. He was, he was just, he was being very difficult mm -hmm. and he received the check for the water mitigation with his name on it as well. And he didn't want to necessarily get rid of it. He felt like it was his. So I called the adjuster and I said, look, uh, you screwed up here. You should yeah. not have sent him this check because this is already a difficult client to begin with. And now that he's got this money in hand, he doesn't want to get rid of it. I said, what I need you to do, I'm going to send you this direction to pay again because I've already sent it to you. I'm going to send you this direction. And this is after talking to the water mitigation guy. Thankfully, he's like, dude, I got a direction to pay. Like They need to send me that check directly. So I told him, I said, look, I need you to, here's a direction to pay. I need you to put a stop pay on that check and send it directly to the water mitigation company. She's like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I need to speak to legal. I'll get back to you. Oh, she spoke mm -hmm. to legal. She got back to me, and that's what she did. Sure. So that was nice. Not that was sure. that was good. So that's almost, it's like better than an AOB, isn't it? It's a little bit less scary, I guess, right? Well, yes and no, because, well, it's better in some respects because, you know, then the insurance company, because then they're not getting sued twice, you know, and that's why they made right. that law because right. to benefit themselves. But I mean, it's slightly better because for the homeowner, because then you're kind of more in the loop about what's happening, you know, but it's, and it's like you just said, where, you know, if the homeowner gets a check, you know, they may not want to give it up or they may feel it's unfair that the mitigation company is getting paid and they're not, you know, so it could create more issues. What about the uh, $3,000 cap on water mitigation? What, what's, what's the deal with that? Because I, again, yeah. that's another thing where I've seen the water mitigation companies get paid above and beyond the $3,000. So is that still right. like a hard nosed thing going on or is that just very flexible? It, it depends on the company to be completely frank, but it also, I mean, you know, if you've got a huge, huge, huge claim, multi-million dollar house with a huge, huge coverage A, it's going to exceed the $3,000. So that would be that kind of case. But at the end of the day, the mitigation company can also ask for approval to go above and beyond, you know what I mean? A permission, I guess I should say. Had a freak occurrence recently where the water mitigation company got a letter from the insurance company saying that they're denying his water mitigation payment because he did not uh he did not get the mortgage company to endorse his his contract. Really? Is that crazy or what? Yeah. So she uh well he and his wife, his wife contacted the insurance company and said, Hey, like, what's this? And the lady was like, I had no idea who sent it because it all these claims get reassigned now. It happens all the time. It's one adjusted to another. It's ridiculous and it becomes a mess. And she contacted the new adjuster, said, Hey, we received this. What's going on with this? We've never received this. Like, how the hell are we gonna call the mortgage company to sign our contract for emergency services? That doesn't right. make any sense. And right. even the adjuster was just like, Oh, I I I don't know. Let me look into it. It seems like it was a mistake. So yeah, that sounds crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of case law on that too, that, you know, they, you can't like prevent a homeowner from like assigning a post loss benefit under the policy. And there's, I mean, there's so much case law on that, but which the adjusters probably don't know about because they've been told, but lots of issues with that in the past too. Right, right, right. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I like this job a lot. I'm guessing you like it a lot too. It's fun. I right? love it. Yes, it is fun. I mean, it's fun defending the the homeowner. It's fun, I guess, getting into fights with the insurance company sometimes. I've decided to use a new tactic now for as long as I've been doing it where I just try to make friends. I don't try to make enemies with them. It seems to work pretty well. Obviously, I can't be friends all the time. But for the most part, I don't know how it is on your end. So you can tell me how it is on your end. But on my end, it's it's if the more I get along with these people on the other side, uh, the, the 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 stronger relationships I built with some desk adjusters, and especially with the field adjusters, and the better my outcomes become. I mean, I'm I'm guessing it's sort of similar with you guys, right? I mean, it you is. know the lawyers and stuff on the other side, and a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And even if I don't know like that lawyer particularly who's handling that case, like chances are I know somebody in their office. You know what I mean? So I can say, oh yeah, I know so-and-so. And then I build, I always, always, always build a rapport first. Like I never come out guns blazing because then people feel like they're on the defensive and it just doesn't get anything done. You know, and I, the days of like the aggressive pit bull attorney are done. Like no, nobody wants to deal with that. You know, so I try to, until I have to, you know, I try to be build rapport, you know, be pleasant to work with. I do I'm a stickler on some things, you know, like I'm like, this needs to be done at this time. And, you know, I try not to be liberal on some things that really matter, but other things, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to work with them on it. You know what I mean? I think that's better. I really try to humanize it too. Like they're just, they're just humans, I guess, doing yeah, their job. Doing I mean, their job. You know, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate that they're working for, I was going to say the devil, but you know, they work <laughs> for these insurance companies. And I mean, let's face it, right? Deny, delay, defend. That's what they're in the business. It's a business. And one of their largest expenses is, is claim payout. So they're going right. to hold back every single, that's, this is that, this is a message to all the policyholders out there. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, the state farm can't pay for all those Super Bowl commercials if they're paying out a hundred percent on, uh, on all of, on all of their claims. State farm, mm -hmm. I've been having so much trouble with, I know we, we aren't supposed to name names, but God, they've been driving me nuts. Really? They've been driving yeah. me crazy. There's, yeah. they, they, they were blaming it on COVID, apparently backed up with too many claims. Uh, yeah. But, you know. I've been getting that a lot. Like, oh, because COVID. Now I'm like, COVID started about six months ago. Like, you know, right? it's, it's time to get things rolling. You know what yeah, I mean? And I, I had many people who were like, oh, like, we have no way to work from home. And I was like, you got to fix that because we're not waiting around. <laughs> You know, and I offered to FaceTime. I offered to do all that stuff. I mean, you could see all the damage here, but if you're not right. if we're a claim and you're not going to send anybody out for two months to inspect the loss, it's like, Jeez. why am I even, yeah, what am I doing here? And that's, yeah. that's what's been happening with that. But whatever. What, are you what, a mess. what a mess. What's your plans about now that you have your own business? So what are your, what are some of your plans? What are some of your dreams? What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> <laughs> am I grown up yet? <laughs> You're there. You're there. Let's go. <laughs> oh, I guess I am now with the business. Because now, now you are not just a lawyer. You are a business owner now. So I am what a are business your owner. I'm a law firm owner. Is what I am. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's all up from here. So you know, I'm growing my staff, support staff. Um, you know, taking on claims, taking on a bunch of claims so far. I want to keep going. Want to keep meeting. You know, public adjusters, contractors, roofers. You know, people in the industry that you know I can that can. I can send business to, they can send business to me. You know, it's always great to know good contractors. You know, when you find a good contractor, I mean, hold on to him or her. <laughs> it's so important. Yeah. If you can, if you could send a great contractor to your client, I think that they just think you're the Holy grail. Right. That's right. important. For me, it's always been my best referral source have always been contractors. They have just been yeah. my absolute best referral sources. Yeah. General contractors, uh, roofers, plumbers, all those guys have been, 
plumbers have always been okay for me, but the best have just been the, just the GCs that are just going in there and they deal with water damage and everything. Roofers obviously after hurricane are fantastic. So mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but sure. we're putting in some, we're putting in some ads now. I've never used ads before. And now we're doing Google ads and Facebook ads. Oh, okay. That's great. So we did a landing page, my virtual assistant. Thank you very much, which we have to get into VAs. But yes, my virtual nice. assistant put a nice little landing page together. I'll show you after we're done. And uh, I did a video, did a video up against this wall here. And he told me, he's like, all right, make the video with you off to the side. And on that blank wall, we're going to put, you know, all kinds of little cool graphics and stuff like that. And it turned out pretty badass, I must did say. It? So now we're doing we're doing Facebook ads and Google ads, and we want to get into LinkedIn ads, but they're freaking expensive compared yeah. to all the other stuff. Yeah, LinkedIn is expensive. So expensive. right now we're attacking roofers, general contractors, water restoration companies in Pensacola and in Tampa. And then the next one, we're going to attack the commercial associations, commercial buildings and stuff like that in Pensacola and in Tampa. I don't know. We'll see. It's the first time That's that great. we do it. So have you ever done that ads at, at all or no? Yeah, I've done Facebook ads in the past. Um, yeah, you know, we kind of talked about this before, you know, my work is in uh, e-commerce. So he's pretty good with Facebook, Google, Instagram, all that good stuff. So yeah, I am actually, so I'm, right now I'm targeting mainly public adjusters, contractors, roofers, you know, people that I know that have claims they can send to me, you know, cause I don't necessarily want to jump in on the ground floor with homeowners. I don't, I'm not a damages expert. You know what I mean? I, I would have to send my own person out anyway. So why don't I send, you know, an adjuster out and they, you know, can handle it. They can resolve it. Great. If not, you know, I'll sue. Yeah. I mean, you're, I think your number one referral source is, is public adjusters. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say it right here on the podcast. Hundred percent. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the list, Brittany. <laughs> Thanks. See what gets you <laughs> Um, did you, are you going to, to windstorm by any chance to the wind? No in january i had not thought i had not thought about it i'm doing the roofing uh roofing insights conference in december and so napia in december you gotta got hook me up with dimitri i'm about to ask him to do a podcast but i haven't asked him yet because he's got a this massive following too definitely ask him he is great he is so is great he? actually okay. yeah so i went up there actually to minnesota where he, he's at and i did an in studio interview with him and then we Ooh. talked afterwards. We had dinner. He he's great. He really knows his stuff. Definitely want to have him on the podcast. Once again, right? The power of social media is insane. Now yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's <laughs> crazy. People, you know what's funny is people message me, mostly lawyers. People message me on Instagram like, oh, like is, is social media really working for you? Are you actually getting business? Are you getting it? And I'm like, yeah. Like this is, this is free advertising. You know, we're getting out, we're getting your word out there, you know, getting in front of people for free. You've never been able to do this before ever in the history of anything. And once you establish yourself as an expert in the industry on social media, it, it just like, it just spreads like wildfire. And it's just yeah, like it all of a sudden you're like the expert when you haven't even met any of these people in person, but because everybody's on Facebook, everybody's on YouTube, everybody's on LinkedIn, everybody's on Instagram, that there's nobody else to go to. So you're like the person. Yeah. What about that that uh that uh, that CEO lawyer guy? He's massive on. He has he's incredible, incredible. Crushing so he's it. actually I, I like modeled myself after him. Perfect. So after what that whole thing name? happened with huh? What was his name again? Do you remember Wasad? Ali, Ali Awad. Awad, because he gets you a lot of money. A lot of money. See, even the tagline <laughs> is catchy. I love it. But I I modeled my first like early videos 
off of what he was doing. I was like, this guy has got it figured out. And Top Dog Law as well, crazy following, just explosive. Yeah, it's just you can't fail once you do that. But here's the other thing is people do not realize how much time and how much work it takes. They do not. That's why I have a virtual assistant. <laughs> Tell me about your virtual assistant. Oh, a virtual assistant. Her name is Nina. She is phenomenal. She's in the Philippines. I know we talked about this. So got people all over the world who are working on things for me. So I've got a virtual assistant. She, I, I sit down, I record a video and she does the rest. So she edits, she adds subtitles, she'll plan it out, she'll post it. You know, I write captions and stuff like that, but um, she's just like handling it. You know, she'll post it to Facebook. I've got her like ramping up the YouTube channel, everything like that. And I, if I had to do that still, I mean, I wouldn't sleep. You know, it, it takes wow. time to create content, you know? Well, Milan, my virtual assistant, if you're listening to this, get tracked together because you're not editing. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It does so much. It's ridiculous. I, I, started, I started it by myself because why did I start it? Because I told you I was trying to just get attention to homeowners to be careful with policies. But then I read the Gary Vee book. Um, Which one? Crush It. Crush It. I haven't read that one yet. Great book. It's like, yeah. it's only like, I think it's only like 160 pages. It's like not a big book at all. Sure. I literally, I actually read it obviously pre-COVID, I read it on a flight from Miami to Colorado. I read the whole thing in one flight. Wow. And I was trying to figure out how to boost my travel YouTube channel with my wife. We've done some crazy adventure traveling, which is another conversation. I saw that, actually. We got to get into that. Yes. We, we had a travel channel, so I was trying to figure out how to do it, how to make it unique. And I'm reading this book, and I'm reading this book, and it talks about adding value and, and, and giving away secrets and doing all these things. And it's just like light bulb, duh, came up in my head. I'm like, why don't I just do a public adjuster YouTube channel? Yeah. You know? And then I start searching public adjusters on YouTube, and there's nothing except one or two guys that it's not the best. doesn't The quality is just not, not great. So then I was doing it myself for a while, but then I realized, okay, it's time to take it up a notch. And then I... I just went on Upwork, interviewed a bunch of people, and I found Milan. And really, because of Milan, I call him the Serbian assassin because he's <laughs> Serbian and he's an assassin when it comes to just online marketing. And he just, we've just taken it up to a whole other level. I mean, since yeah. we've had him, I probably had like two or 300 followers on, on YouTube. Wow, now we're almost like 1,500, you know, and all the channels. And he, he goes on, on Canva, he designs all the posts super nice co-schedule we schedule them all out now we're getting somebody to edit our video so i don't have to edit anymore so those days are, are might be over soon but it takes so much work but we need to have an assistant to do it yeah yeah especially yeah. because we're already this isn't you know we're not like full-time youtubers full-time instagrammers you know what i mean we're running companies running a business we're representing clients so like we our focus can't be there but it, it has to has to happen so I think it's vital. And I think that, so we kind of like discuss this a little bit. I think having procedures in place before you hire them, you know, so that they know what to do and, you know, this is what needs to be done. So they have like a clear understanding. Cause I think people um, who are not experienced in hiring people, especially virtuals or people that are outside of the United States, they go on Upwork and they just think, okay, edit this. You know what I mean? But they don't give anybody any parameters. You know what I mean? Or, okay, answer these emails, but they don't explain how to answer them. You know what I mean? So I think it's important to like, sit back before you hire somebody and think about what do I need this person to do? How do they do it? Write that down. And then when you hire them, they'll be able to immediately just hit, hit the ground running. You've got more than one virtual assistant, right? Yes. Tell me about your process, the hiring process. So hiring process. So I, I also use Upwork. I think it's phenomenal. I always, do, I always, always go through Upwork. Um, I think about what I need someone to do 
And then I think about, okay, what kind of person could do this? I kind of go backwards. I write out all the tasks I think I need them to do. Um, sometimes if I think that there are tasks that aren't like cohesive, I'll take them out and like have, you know, say, okay, this needs to be another person. I try to keep everything within the bubble. You know what I mean? So I'm not having my social media VA answer my law firm emails. That just doesn't really work. They're not in their zone of genius. So I think about what I need this person to do. What kind of person does this? You know, somebody who's collaborative, creative, um, you know, has the time to do X, Y, and Z. And I say a little bit about my firm. So I post that up there. And then I kind of look for somebody who like, I think personality wise, just based on what they've said would fit with me and, and would work with me well. And then I just interview them, you know, video interviews. I had three this morning. I have three more tomorrow. You know, I'm just, you know, trying to hire all those people to do everything. Do you give them any tasks to do to like, just test them out? I don't even do that. I, I just say, you're great. If, if somebody is coachable and their personality fits with mine and they're willing to learn, hired. You know what I mean? I, I, and it, I think that I can teach them to do what they need to do. You know what I mean? So I don't give them any kind of like tester. I just say, you're going to be great. Let's, let's hit their ground running. And I just give them their first tasks of going through the procedures and doing like the first thing, you know, the first client intake, the first uh, video editing, something like that. And then I kind of work from there and I coach them on, okay, you know, improve this, change this, you know, great job here. Yeah, I think it's also very important for us as the business owner to be as hands-on as possible in yeah. the beginning and then eventually try to be as, as hands-off as possible. But in the beginning, right. it really helps because they they don't know, you know, they might be good at whatever it is that they're supposed to be doing, but you need to, you're the owner of the business. You know, we need to teach them step by step of how exactly how we want things. And then, I mean, the sky's the limit. I always say, if you invest as much time as possible in the beginning, you're going to save so much time later on. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more on that. I do something similar. I would say that. So this is to all the PAs out there or anybody that wants to hire a virtual assistant. This is good stuff. I was noting the time that we were talking about this so I could let them know. But I do the same thing. I basically, I'll go on Google and I'll say social media expert job responsibilities. And it'll come out with a whole list and then I'll copy paste. Yeah. And then I'll like just, I'll do, I'll talk about my business and what we're doing. And then that's how, and then with the, I have an Amazon store where we sell supplements and stuff. And what I did was I actually interviewed three and I told them, here are the two products that we have currently. And then I said, what would be your plan over the next six months? And I gave them 24 hours. One guy gave me like a Word document of some like bullet points, while the other guy gave me an Excel spreadsheet like I've never seen before. He broke down all the competition and everything and how much their average cost per sale is and all this. It was just, it was just like incredible. And he's in the Philippines. So yeah, that was good. That's great. You know what I do to kind of weed out people that I, I know that wouldn't be a good fit is at the end of the post, I'll say like, if you're interested in this position, like reply to this post with number one, you know, what are your goals, like personal goals, you know, what are your personal goals over the next whatever year? And two, what times are you available for an interview on this day and this day? And then I look through, you know, I, I mean, you get, you know, 20 applications and you look through and if somebody didn't answer those questions or they didn't tell me a goal, or if they at least didn't give me a time that they'd be available, I'm like, well, they didn't read all the way through to the end. So, you know, they're automatically disqualified. I always I think that's those, huge. Those questions and on Upwork where you could add those, you know, you could add those like personal questions. I always, mm -hmm. if, if they didn't answer those, then that's it. That's already strike one. So you're out. If they yeah. answer them, then I look at the answers to see how I liked right. it. And then we'll go from there. And one, it's important like to see like if they actually answered it, you know, did they put like three words or did they give you a thought out, you know, a couple sentences. Right. right. Yeah. One thing that I've learned that um, I went through about four virtual assistants before I found a good one for like my wow. clients and stuff. 
One thing that I learned from a, a, a friend of mine who's a business owner, pretty big, he's got like over a million dollar payroll clothing company, and he's sort of been my business coach. And he gives these personality assessments. Uh, one is called the culture index. I've heard of these, yes. Yeah, one is called the culture index, and the other one is called, I can't remember right now, but culture index is the one that he uses a lot. And that I have found to help a lot because I did it on myself. I've got strengths, I've got weaknesses, and it's good if you could find people who've got sort of like who are strong where you are weak and who are maybe sometimes weak where you are strong. So I don't know if you want to give that a shot one day. That that has helped yeah, me. Yeah, I do. Oops. Ah, where'd you go? Are you still there? Did I come back? Okay, you're there. I don't know what there. <laughs> so uh, as far as virtual assistants is concerned, um, is there any particular place that you like to have your virtual assistant from, or it doesn't really matter, right? I guess whoever comes in and if, if you click with them, it's like, that's going to be the person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really it. I, it's been really the Philippines because of the, those are a huge chunk of the people that are applying as well. Well, most of them speak perfect English too. What I've That's noticed. true. That people is true. You know, I had uh, my virtual use the word um, negligible last week and I was like, Americans don't even use that word. <laughs> Tough word. You had a little trouble right there saying it. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, do you have a do you have a physical office or do you really do have like a virtual office? Home office. Yeah. Okay. Home so, office. what do you use? For example, I use G Suite. What do you use to sort of communicate with everybody and keep everything organized? So, I've got all my procedures as Google Docs. I talk to my virtuals through Slack. So there's a certain channel for everything. Yeah, I love Slack. It's awesome. And, you can, you can, and they can task me right through that, through Asana. So they just like task me. So whenever, you know, Nina is done with a, uh, a video, she'll task me, you know, here, here's the video title, done with this, you know, please review it. I think Slack is great. I love Slack. Key, you know, back and forth emails, just everything gets lost and there's so many emails and no email is for other things. Slack is for, you know, team. And I like how you could have like the different little groups and some are private groups with other people or you could talk. Yeah. I like all that stuff too, but tell yeah. me about Asana. I don't use Asana. So Asana is just a, um, it's just a task management kind of, uh, like you put due dates in, you assign them to people, um, task management really, but you can link it to Slack so that when, my virtual is done with something and she wants me to prove something or if I want her to do something, I will task her in Asana and it'll automatically, you know, send her reminders and it'll have a due date on there and stuff. And then it'll pop up in Slack like, hey, you know, this is due this date or she can task me right through there, review this video and I can go into Asana and say, okay, reviewed, done. We use Trello. Okay, yeah, same thing. It's kind of the I same. Think you can also, I think you can also link Trello to Slack and be able to task people. Oh, yeah. I was trying to figure that out. You can do commands out. in Slack. So you can do right. like slash Asana and then type out whatever you need and then you can create the the task right there in Slack. Because then you're not using a bunch of different programs. You know what I mean? See, when I when we first talked on the phone, I was like, we're like twin souls when it comes to this virtual, virtual <laughs> office. It's just a way to go. Like, I just, I mean, come on, people. Like, if you still have a physical office, I feel it's just like you're going into, I mean, I guess. I love when people tell me, oh, I just can't work from home. I don't get anything done. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's so much yeah. more comfortable. It's so much more comfortable. You don't even have to wear pants. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it's just, I love it. I love it for many reasons. And it's just, you know, people say, oh, you can never shut off. And like, I don't exactly want to shut off, so I don't see that really being a bad thing. But it's like, 
you know, you have everything right here. You don't need to stop and, and go get something. You don't need to, you know, nobody's really bothering you coming into your office. I think it's so much better. You know, that leads me to, honestly, that leads me to travel. Because travel. the benefits of having a virtual office, people, the benefits of having virtual assistants that you're always communicating online, the benefits of just always going through Asana, Trello, Slack, and everything is basically in the cloud is that you could be anywhere in the world at any time of the day or whatever it is, even if you're at a 12-hour difference, and uh, you could still get work done. Now, that could be, I guess, a double-edged sword, right? Because, you know, that means you you could always get work done. But if you could learn to figure it out, like the, the if you could learn to figure out your schedule, especially while you're traveling, and you just, let's say you, you go traveling, you just spend an hour a day. Or, or I would say like an hour a day, just respond to the emails, respond to your right. VAs. And if you've got your VAs trained well enough where they're handling a lot of your cases, like, like my claims are handled, I don't even know if I should say this in the podcast, but like 80% of my claims are handled by the VA just by doing whatever she has to do. And then I take right. care of the last 20%. So you've been to some, some pretty amazing places, right? You I were just on a trip and it was kind of was COVID. How did you do it? With a mask. <laughs> we went to uh, Mexico because that's gotcha. the only place accepting really Americans right now. But we went to Mexico and like, you know, Mexico is like right there. So I never really thought of going there. You know, whenever we went on vacations, we would go to Thailand or I mean, I've been to India, Singapore, Europe, everywhere. I love travel. Another huge reason I wanted to start my own business is for travel reasons, you know, like that was a huge, we want to take like a year long, like sabbatical, go everywhere. Like, we were like talking about moving to Thailand. Like I, this, like we love to travel. And so that's another reason I, you know, want to do this business, but we were just in Mexico. Beautiful. I've never really even been, I mean, never really been go? to Mexico. We went Where? to Riviera Maya. Ooh. So it's like about an hour South of Cancun. We stayed at this resort called Unico. If you want somewhere that's just the most beautiful, amazing place where people are super happy, Unico is it. Unico Unico. Is it. I mean, Thailand is also like that, but if you want a place closer, that's, I mean, it's about like an hour flight. We, we went from the uh, Fort Lauderdale airport to Cancun, and then it's another hour drive to the, the resort. Gorgeous. And it's in the middle of the jungle. You can see all the stars, and it was great food, beautiful beaches. I loved it. We're actually literally just talking about going back. You posted on, uh, I don't know if you saw my message. You didn't respond to that one because maybe you didn't see it. But when you're like, oh, guess where I'm going throughout all this COVID? I was like, Turkey. Because Turkey is another one of the only <laughs> to see that. You responded to the sticker. Yes, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Turkey's one of the only countries. We were about to go there. We had a we had a trip traveled, a trip traveled. What am I saying? We had a trip <laughs> planned to Turkey. Uh, but we decided because I didn't really want to fly for nine hours with a mask on. So we yeah. were going in two weeks, we're going to Vegas, to Utah, and we're doing the um, we're doing Grand Canyon, we're doing Zion National Park, and nice. we're doing Lake Tahoe. And you can just bring your work with you. And that is the dream. I told all my three VAs, which by the way, going back to the VA real quick, it's so cool. I don't know about you, but I have a monthly meeting with all my VAs, even though I have like three different businesses, but we have a monthly meeting because I want everybody to sort of communicate together. And it's just to me, every single time I have the meeting where I see the Tammy up here from Japan, Milan over here is in Serbia and Ed over here is in the Philippines. It always just like trips me out. Like it's just, it's just the coolest yeah, thing in the world. It is cool. I've actually been meeting with my VAs once a week because they're still new, but eventually we'll just do that monthly meeting as well. I think that's important. Oh, I love it. Mexico, by the way, is probably my favorite place in the world. Really? Well, yeah, I see, that was really my first time. And I was like, this is beautiful. Like I, I, my favorite place is Thailand. 
but Mexico might be a really close second because it's closer. So my reasons for loving Mexico is because of the almost the same reasons why I love Thailand. And it's two reasons. Well, I guess maybe three reasons. It's cheap, great food, and really nice people. Really nice people. Like happy people who are, you know, I love it. When did you go to Thailand? 20, end of 2018. We were supposed to go back. We're going to do Japan and Vietnam and Thailand again, maybe the Maldives in January, February time. But then COVID hit and we're like, uh, and it was only hit over there, right? And we were like, oh, well, let's let it blow over. And then we'll go in like you know, a couple months. And now I'm like, has it blown over yet? <laughs> I'm ready it's to go back. Me, right? It's killing me. There's no traveling thing. I can't believe that I'm going on my first vacation of the year uh, in a couple of weeks. I mean, I, I know I hate to sound snobby, but I mean, I just it's just a passion of mine. It seems like a passion of yours, I think. Well, here's the thing is I actually did a video like this on Facebook for public adjusters where I said, do you want to... What did I say? I said something like, do you want to grow your business or do you want to make more money? I said, travel more. And the reason why I said that is because when you go on an extended travel, you come back so refreshed, so energized, and so hungry for more because you want to go back on that travel adventure again. Right. So it takes money and work, but you're just so like, just you're refreshed, you're energized. I don't know about you, but when I go on vacation, I read a lot. So I'm like, I'm like thinking of ideas. I'm on my phone, like writing new notes and stuff for ideas for my business and everything. And it's because when you travel, you've got the time to do all that stuff. Yeah, I guess you have a little bit more time to work on your business, even while traveling than when you're working, you're working in your business too much, you know? I completely agree. And actually I journal a lot on vacation. I journal every day anyway, or almost. Awesome. But even more so on vacation. I mean, even when we were just in uh, in Mexico, I was just, you know, I woke up in the morning, we got breakfast, went and like laid on a couple chairs, I'm journaling, you know, went back, took a nap, came back. You, know, <laughs> you get so much like inner work done. And I was like, get it. I was thinking like, okay, what's the next step? What's the big thing I need to do? And here we are. <laughs> so when you went to Thailand, how long were you, uh, how long were you there for? We were there for two weeks. I also went to Singapore and India on that trip. It was very fun. I loved it. You know, I don't know how much interest I have in going to India. I wanted to go to say I went. I wanted to go to say I went. And it was it was yeah. a very cool experience. I'll give it that. But, very cool experience. Um, but it was uh, yeah. it's very shocking. Good. Yeah. Yes. It's very so I actually... The pollution's so bad that we were so Agra, which is where the Taj Mahal is, is like an hour or two hours from New Delhi. So we had a really nice resort in New Delhi. Took a car, and you couldn't even see like skyscrapers. Like you couldn't see the top of skyscrapers. So that's how bad the pollution was. You couldn't see the top of skyscrapers. It's so much smog. I actually ended up getting a respiratory infection. We were supposed to be there for like four or five days, and, and we were only there for two because it was like it was, it was interesting. I had a buddy of mine who went on like a two month backpacking trip and I had already been to Thailand. I've been to Thailand twice. And uh, I'm like, you got to go to Thailand. You got to go to Thailand. He's like, well, I'm going to go for two months. I'm going to get to Thailand, but I want to spend a month in, 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 in India first. And then I'm going to go to Thailand. He lasted a week and he left. He went really? to Thailand. He's like, I'm wow. out of here. I don't want wow. like, to be there anymore. Um, yeah, we did um, first time. Thank God for my wife. She's like, She's like just travel enthusiast. I never was. My idea of a vacation before I met my wife was just going to a resort, sitting by the pool, having some drinks, and then that's pretty much it, right? And then I meet her, and we were able to get some money. And um, whatchamacallit, she's like, I want to go to Thailand. I'm like, Thailand, you're crazy. She's like, yeah, let's go. So first time going on vacation with my wife, it was just constant walking. We were just walking from one temple to another temple, taking the little – uh 
the tuk tuk and taking those. Tuk -tuk, well. yeah. I just remember after the first day, I'm just like, is this traveling with you? I was exhausted from just all of the walking that we did. And now, I mean, fast forward, we've been together about eight or nine years or so. Fast forward there, and now that's all I want to do. All I want to do is just the, the more the crazy, the more crazy adventure, the better. I, I hear you 100%. And I have always been like a traveler, traveler. Like my first ever like big trip was when I was 16. I did a student exchange with a girl um, who was in Italy. So she came to stay with me for a month. I went to stay with her for a month. And I was like, overawed because like 16 there is like you're basically an adult like they let you do whatever you want and i've never had that really kind of freedom you know because you know 16 you're high, you're in high school whatever but i mean i was traveling everywhere i was by myself exploring and i was like this is traveling so i got bit by the travel bug really early really early and then i just kept going back to europe to asia i just wanted to go everywhere so two books that i would recommend to you vagabonding is one of the best. Somebody said that to me the other day. I got to write that down. One of the best books I've ever read. I mean, it's just like write that down now. It tells you about. It tells you how to to just go. It talks about extended travel. So it tells you that like going for a few days or going for a couple weeks is just not is not the way to do it. You yeah. need to go for at least minimum a month if you really want. I, I would agree with that. I agree with it more. I would agree with that. So then the other book that I would strongly recommend that really really got all of this going as well was the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. I've read that yes, right. years ago, actually, but I've read that. I should probably read it again. Yeah, I've read it like five times. <laughs> That's really? and He talks about virtual assistants before virtual assistants was really a thing. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of, I don't know about you, but that's also a big time goal of all this stuff that I'm doing here with the social media and everything like that is once we get the online courses and we got things going on, then hopefully there's a way that, because we went on some extended travel, we did three weeks in Thailand and I'll never forget. I stopped. No, I'm sorry. We did three months or two months. I can't remember now. We did two or three months across Southeast Asia. We did wow. Vietnam. We did Thailand. We did Singapore. We did Malaysia. And before I left, before I left, I didn't sign any claims for like a month just because I didn't want to deal with work. I didn't want to have right. to. Do it. So I come back after two months. I hadn't signed a claim for three months. And it was funny because while we were traveling, I was making some good money claims were settling, so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden I got back and about a month later, we're like broke. And I can't figure out why we don't have any money. And then a buddy of mine goes, dude, you left for two months. You didn't sign a claim for a month. You didn't sign a claim for three whole months. Like, of course you're broke now. So I've tried ever since then, I've been trying to establish a way that I could travel and make money while I travel. And here you are. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, I want to say, Brittany, I have been wanting to interview you for a while. If we can call this an interview, I don't think it really is. It's more like a conversation. More of a chat. Yeah. More of a chat. Yeah. I want to say that it was, it was, it was more than what I expected. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank uh, you for having me on here. I appreciate it. I'm very excited about your new endeavor here. I think you're going to to kick ass. I think you're going to do a really, really great job. Thank you. Um, and also, I'm very, very happy to hear that you're doing the whole virtual, that you're going all online like that. I mean, I think that's fantastic. And uh, honestly, I wish you nothing but the best. Is there anything that you would like to add to our audience, which is mainly public adjusters, I would say, mostly public adjusters and probably some lawyers and stuff like that, too? I mean, going off of just you know claims things, just claim files huge always remember to put your claim file together. That's a big deal. Um, and then, you know, also, I mean, if anybody ever has any questions about anything, you know, just related to 
policy language, anything up to from policy language to virtuals, you know, anything like that. I, I am always accessible. Like you said, I'll, I'll respond to any message, you know, any, any problems anybody has, I, I'm there. So I'm going to do an intro to this, so don't worry, but I will like to say um, to make sure that you follow Brittany on Instagram, follow Brittany on Facebook. Uh, most of her, I think your username for pretty much everything is lawyer Brit. Yes. Lawyer dot Brit. Okay. On Instagram, right? Yes. Correct. Uh, YouTube channel. That's going to be starting pretty soon. Yes. That'll be launched in a few weeks. Okay. I'm going to yeah, talk. It's also going to be lawyer Brit. Lawyer Brit on yeah. YouTube. And just, I will tell you guys that, like I said, you send a message to Brittany. She responds within minutes, if not at least within hours. Yeah. I don't know how she does it because she's got like tens of thousands of followers, but she's able to do it, which is pretty impressive. And um, Brittany, thank you so much for being on with me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Vince. Thank you for asking me to be on here. All right. See you later. Bye.